0: We are really pleased that we have the Howes family with us up the front. Now, as a, as a church, we've uh, journeyed with the Howes for a long time now. And, and it's fair to say this journey started before what you're going to um, share uh, today, because you, you've been part of the church since 2019, is that right? And you've been involved in various ways, in preaching, volunteering your support with admin work, leading a home group. And so the house have been part of the church for uh, a number of years now. And, um, but today is uh, a little bit special because, as you will, most of you will know, um, the, the tragic accident that happened a number of years ago um, with, with Nathaniel. And that's what we're going to learn about um, today, and, and uh, you're going to talk us through. And I think, as a church, we, we've been wanting to hear this story, um, and it's taken you a bit of time to get to this point, to be able to share, and I think we need to understand how it's still something that's difficult to share. It doesn't necessarily get easier, would that be fair to say. Um, and so this takes a lot of courage. Um, but they they want to do it because they want to bless us as a church family um, by knowing god 's character in a new and and personal way so we're we 've been keen to do this for a while, and we 're really excited that you can you can come this morning um, and share your story and and I think we're going to start this morning with that. You can follow along with your, with your flyers. You've just got a very basic outline, and you can see it's in three parts. Uh, the story, the trauma, and then the truth. And so to start us off, Alan and, and Lindsay, if you uh, would like to tell us the story. But w- before we do that, let's, let's pray. Let's pray for them, and, and let's pray for our hearts to receive this. Uh, in the right way. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come together as a family. what a family as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. And we do this in a sense of anticipation to, to learn more of you and learn of your character, Lord. But we also do it in love. We love the House family and we, and we want to know how to love them better. And Lord, I pray that our hearts will be open to them this morning and that we will understand them and we will understand the story that they want to tell, Lord, and why they want to tell it. Lord, I pray, Lord, we welcome your spirit here this morning. Lord, Lord, please move in our hearts. Lord, we pray for courage for Alan and, and Lindsay and, and Nathaniel and, and the whole family this morning, Lord. And I pray um, that, they, um, that your spirit will empower them to communicate clearly and with integrity, Lord, what you've been teaching them in the last few years. So we, we, we give this morning to you now, in Jesus' name. Amen. So if there's anyone new here, you're going to have to introduce yourselves, uh, so please give us your names and, and um, tell us a little bit about your family as well, and then, and then please go straight into the story.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. We're very happy to be able to share this morning. So for those of you who haven't met us before, or heard of us, we're Alan and Lindsay Howes. This is our son, Nathaniel. <laughs> And we also have two older daughters, Gabriella and Layla. They're here today. See them on the screen there. So this morning we would like to share with you our testimony of God's miraculous saving of Nathaniel's life and his goodness and grace and mercy to our family. So it's a year that we call Nathaniel's miracle year. We've made this into a special photo book for him, which he has with him. And I'm sure he'd be happy to show you we can pass it around afterwards. That's it. So in April last year, 2022, on an ordinary Monday around Easter time, Nathaniel was involved in a very serious accident in which he as a pedestrian was run over by our own car. He was meeting his dad coming back from work in the car and was running along the grass verge when he tripped, grabbed hold of the car door handle and was dragged under the back wheels. A split second freak accident, Nathaniel sustained life-threatening, catastrophic head and brain injuries. He was attended to at the scene by all emergency services. and also East Anglian Air Ambulance, who miraculously got to us in about six minutes. They were already in flight. They worked at the scene for almost two hours to save his life and stabilise him enough to be flown to Addenbrooke's hospital, paediatric intensive care unit. Nathaniel was in an induced coma for just over four weeks. He underwent major surgery to remove part of his skull to allow his brain to swell. We were in Addenbrooke's hospital for three months. He underwent further surgeries, one to insert a titanium plate into his skull and another for a peg feed. He was incredibly poorly. At the end of June, we were transferred by ambulance to the Children's Trust. It's a specialist neuro-rehabilitation centre in Surrey, where we spent another three months on an intensive rehabilitation programme. From the time of the accident right up until today, Christians, including this church community, and from all around the world, have faithfully been praying for Nathaniel. And we've seen some miraculous progress, continued healing and answers to prayer. Having lost the ability to do everything, Nathaniel has miraculously since relearned to sit up. He's relearned to eat and drink. He has relearned to stand and to wait bare. He has relearned how to play and has regained the strength to participate in physical activities. When we came home last autumn, we were able to meet the East Anglian Air Ambulance Team. And they were so instrumental in saving Nathaniel's life. One of Nathaniel's favourite miracles to share is that he actually died in the helicopter two times and was brought back to life. Yeah, he's a fighter. (laughs) So back in February this year, we celebrated Nathaniel's eighth birthday and he was able to blow out the candles and eat the cake. (laughs) It's a birthday we thought we'd never see. We've worked hard at physio ever since coming home, tackling the stairs every day. This is his new trike, which helps him. Physiotherapy-wise, it's good for pedaling, it's good to help him regain the skills to walk again. We take him swimming every week. We try to do as much as we can to help Nathaniel's recovery such as Days Out, this is one of his favourite places, in Bressingham, on the trains, and in September we took him to London, away for a few days, sightseeing. We've also had a very fun afternoon with Ryan from this church, who's our local firefighter. We had great fun, didn't we? Spraying the hoses. And most recently, we've enjoyed enjoyed attending a friend's wedding. This chapter of our lives has been traumatic, devastating, emotional, incredibly tough on every level. But Nathaniel's a fighter. And we're grateful to everyone who has and will continue to pray for him. I know he would particularly appreciate your prayers to be able to speak. Nathaniel's got a part in the nativity play next week at church. Mm -hmm. So he's going to go off and practice with grandma now.
0: talking this morning, Lindsay, that wheelchair has been a bit of a game changer, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. He just, he just is off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's wonderful to see that he's got that independence. Um, well done for sharing that and, and taking us through that. I'm sure it brings back um, memories that are, that are difficult to go through, which leads us on to this next section, which we've called the trauma And I think all of us are probably, you know, wondering, how did you cope with this very traumatic um, experience in those early days?
2: Okay. Uh, I think to start with, it'd be good to try and define what trauma is. Mm -hmm. We use the the word trauma very loosely sometimes, like we do many words. Um, But trauma literally means wound, You can think of a wound, you know, if you've kicked yourself or you've been burnt or something, you have a wound. And sometimes that wound will be seen for life. And that's the same with trauma. Sometimes trauma will stay with us for the rest of our lives. Um, So someone who's carrying it's someone who's carrying significant wounds from their experiences that they've had. Um, It could have adverse effects in their ability to function mentally. Physically, socially, emotionally, and spiritually. The capacity to carry the wound will vary from person to person. So someone in my um, shoes could probably carry this better than I'm carrying it. Others probably would have crumbled. And certainly won't be sitting here this morning. Um, Some of the symptoms of trauma can be denial, (coughs) anger, fear, sadness, shame, confusion, anxiety, depression, numbness, guilt, hopelessness, irritability, and difficulty concentrating. I've had all of those, if I'm honest. so coping, how do you cope that was the question with mm. something as traumatic as this. Well when I think about those very early days, and sometimes I don't really want to think about them, but they're part of the story and I thought I was wounded beyond repair. Um, I spoke here on April the 10th, Sunday, April the 10th, on Psalm 51. Which I felt was quite a powerful sermon yeah. teaching. 36 hours later, my son is rushed to Adam Brooks Hospital with life threatening injuries. Talk about your life being turned upside down in an instant. Now, just to give you some perspective, I mean, Lindsay did say that Nathaniel was run over by our own car. It was me driving the car. And it was me who'd run over Nathaniel's head that day. Just to give you a bit of perspective. How do you recover from something like that? I had to deal with, in those early days, not knowing whether Nathaniel would live. And also trying to deal with what had just happened with the accident that involved myself. When we went to Adam Brooks, um, Nathaniel was diagnosed with COVID. So that meant only Lindsay could stay. I had to come home. And I stayed at home for 10 days. Um, being at home on my own, um, even though Lindsay's mum, Carol, was with me a lot of the time, and another friend used to come along and, and support me. But that was a nightmare situation that I was just hoping to wake up from and if I'm honest I still hope I'm going to wake up from this nightmare but the reality is I'm not going to. I would fall asleep with the phone next to me waiting for the next text from Lindsay. That next text could be that Nathaniel hadn't made it. I would wake up in a pool of sweat. My heart was racing I didn't know what was happening. Nothing was normal anymore. After 10 days, I went to Annabrooks to to be with Nathaniel and Lindsay, and that was better because I could be with them all of the time. But after a few weeks, maybe five or six weeks, I think it was, Nathaniel started to come around from his coma, begin to wake up. And he would have this... What they, what they called a neuro cry, the brain beginning to wake up. And he would cry with such a high pitch. And the cry would normally start in the evening, about 9 o'clock, and go right through till 5 o'clock in the morning. And it was a high-pitched, horrible, horrible cry. And one of us had to stay with him. And so we used to alternate, and I, I stayed, and Lindsay stayed. And the nights that I stayed, I just thought I was going mad. I thought I was going to end up in a mental institute. I felt I just was not able to, to cope with this situation. That kind of thing is hard enough under normal circumstances. Mm. But when you're dealing with a trauma as severe as I, I had, then it was doubly difficult. I, I must say I found it difficult to find God or hear his voice or sense his presence in those days. Someone said recently, I I was reading someone's blog, and they, uh, someone else who who suffered trauma and loss, they said, feeling awful every day has dried up my sense of delight in God. And that's how I felt. And I had constant pressure in my head. I felt like my head was exploding. I didn't know which way to turn or what to do. And then... After three months in Annabrooks, we went to the Rehabilitation Centre in Surrey, where I was not surprisingly diagnosed with severe PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Do you want to share Then, Are you cooped in those early days?
1: Yeah, I think um, for me, at the time of the accident and those early days when I was um, alone, in intensive care. I think I just coped, sort of, as any other mother would do, sort of on autopilot, you know, threw myself into doing anything and everything I could to help Nathaniel get better. Um, It was a very lonely time, but I feel... I felt that God really gave me the strength to get through those days. There was nowhere else to go, to be honest. It was just me in that intensive care room nathaniel was in a coma and i just spent the time just praying to god just reading to nathaniel just playing worship songs and music and just drew my strength from god because um it was a a scorched and barren land with and there was there was nothing else just me and god there but he really did give me the strength to cope there and that helped me to sort of get through and to to power me on those early weeks and months um, despite very little sleep and things um, but God was very present.
0: It sounds like there was uh, maybe a slight difference in how you approached the trauma in those early days so how did you support one another?
1: It was, it was very difficult early on because we were separated mm. and I, because Nathaniel and I were in isolation, I, wasn't, I was only allowed to be escorted out of the isolation unit to the toilet and back. So I couldn't... There was no privacy. There was no opportunity to be able to call Alan to have long conversations or, or anybody, really. Um, so it was very difficult. It was mostly done on text and just... Um, I think well, I just shared every bit of good news that came, something came every day, you know, for every hour, pretty much from consultants and doctors that, you know, we can take him off this medication and, you know, we got his, mm. it looks like his, his eye is going to open, it's, you know, his heart rate is better. I just shared everything I could like that to keep us both mm. going.
0: So you have this initial trauma. There seems to be other factors that are compounding this that are out of the ordinary with COVID. Very difficult. And you've both shared how you coped in slightly different ways. So how has that how have you continued to cope over time? How has that changed?
1: So I think for me, I as I shared, I I found my strength in those early days. God was very present with me and I was sort of driven by this, you know, he's going to get better and mm. things. Um, I think f- now I actually find it a lot harder to cope mm. because he he has a brain injury. We have challenges with mobility. He's lost his speech. Um, and he has sort of emotional and behavioural difficulties. But he's very well, as mm. you can see. Mm. He's very happy. He's very fit and well. And there is the urgent... I need to look after him has gone Mm, and so our pace of life Mm. is a lot slower Mm. and that means more time to process more time Mm. to think more time to grieve i think alan did quite a bit of grieving in the early days Mm. and but for me Mm. that is now i I find Mm. it more difficult to cope now to in the slower struggle really Mm. in the day-to-day um so yeah uh, yeah,
2: I would say that, yeah, Lindsay was a lot stronger in the early days. She was certainly the support I needed. Um, she was always very positive and very confident that Nathaniel was going to get better. Um, I wasn't so. Um, mm-hmm. But you would think, I mean, what, what, I mean you, you said years, but it's actually only 20 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's still very early days. Yeah. Um, and maybe people are thinking, well, 20 months is nearly two years. Maybe, you know, you should be moving on now. Um, but in many ways, um, things are different, not necessarily easier. Mm. And so, you know, I mentioned about the wound, trauma as a wound. So for me, the wound is healing or it's changing. Um, it's n- not necessarily ever going to go away. Um, but we've come a long way since those terrible early days. Um, and we've always said that when, as Nathaniel improves, we will improve. Which makes sense, you know, as we see him get better, we will get better. Um, but things have slowed down. We don't see the improvement so much these days. Um, things have settled down. We know, like Lindsay said, we know pretty much now where Nathaniel is. Um, He's not going to get any worse. Um, He can only improve. How much he improves, we do not know at this point. Um, We keep praying that he'll walk and talk. And we won't stop praying that. We have to keep praying that. You know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So we have to have a hope that he will talk and he will walk. And I know many of you are praying that that way too. Um, I think... One of the things that that stops me from coping is when I think about how he was. I still, from this day, I still can't look at pictures of him before the accident. Um, it just cuts me up too much. Um, and I also, it cuts me up when I think about his future. I can't think too much about the past and I can't think too much about the future because I don't know what the future holds None of us know what the future holds, but you know when you've got a child in a wheelchair and can't walk and talk, um, that's difficult yeah. to know how his life will turn out. Yeah. Um, so I can't linger there too often because I can go down some very dark places. Um, sometimes I get angry because I'm frustrated and because I'm sad. I'm still very sad by the way he th- this has all turned out. No one brings a child into this world to see him in a wheelchair, unable to walk and talk. And I think part of the reason I experience anger and frustration and sadness because we live in a st- state of constant ex- exhaustion. We're tired all the time. Who can blame us? <laughs> so there, that's how we're coping right now.
0: And your... your you're going through this as a family. Your daughters are here. Yes. Is that yes. right? Give us a wave. Yeah. Yeah. we see you? Um, and you've been journeying through this as a as a family. And and I think as a church body, you know, we want to learn as well. You know, I suppose only having been through this experience can you really know what it's like. Um, but we we want to know how we can support you and, and can you maybe just shed a little bit of light before you go and sit back down, Lindsay, on what, what what's the good support that you've received? What, what have you appreciated? What have we done well as a church body? What have your friends done well? And perhaps what are the, some of the areas that we, we could do better and uh, individually and also as a family?
1: So I think... Um Firstly, I would say prayer. Um, we, you know, because of WhatsApp groups and social media and things, uh, word spreads very quickly. So we were able to call John and get um, an urgent prayer message out on, across all the platforms uh, to pray for Nathaniel. And we've been able to share updates on those right the way through daily weekly monthly um for people to pray and and people have prayed and we've seen answers to that prayer um and that's not just our own church but people have shared that you know across communities nationally internationally um that's been absolutely fantastic um and prayer meetings were called immediately to pray for nathaniel and us and support us um Secondly, I would say, um, financially, people have given to us, really, really blessed us when we most needed it. The church was able to support us. Um, Alan was unable to work, obviously, while we were in Addenbrookes, um, and in order for him to be with us in rehab for three months, the church were able to pay him in place of working. people have given to us for equipment for nathaniel for that super wheelchair that you see him whizzing about in he (laughs) that's because of people giving to us and blessing us um so that's been incredible support um and also practically when we came back um well i mean while we were away people were offering to take meals round to our house for the girls and um when we came back, people came to visit us and bring us meals and um, that practical support was there, mm. so that was really good. good. Um, and although that was difficult initially for us to sort of see people, it's absolutely mm. vital. Mm. Okay. I think it's, it's very easy to look at us on a Sunday and think, oh, actually, these guys look good, they're doing fine, you know. And, but we need people to connect with us, we need people to encourage us, we need people to continue praying for us, praying for Nathaniel. Um, that's really key. So, Thank you.
0: Yeah. Alan, what do you think we could do better?
1: Well, yeah,
2: absolutely. Just a couple of things. Though. I think, well, like Lindsay said, you, you may look at us on a Sunday and think we're doing good. but It's been said, isn't it, that just because we carry it well doesn't mean it's not heavy. That's, a, that's very true, isn't it? And I would say, you know, try try putting yourself in our shoes for a second and just imagine how that would feel you know because we're just trying to get through every minute of every hour of every week you know and trying to cope with the situation and h- how can you help us i would say i'm not pointing the fingers at anyone but i would say go out of your way Get out of your comfort zone. I was talking to a friend last night who popped round and, and saw us, and I said to her, "You know, we're not really involved at servants at the moment," and she said, "It's a miracle that you get at the front door every Sunday morning." <laughs> so when you see us here, you know we're not we're not saying we want all the attention, but you know, go out of your way to put your arm around us. So it's good to see you here today. Or just say, you know, I can see you're struggling. Send a text in the week. We're praying for you. you know, these, these things won't take long. These don't, you know, it takes a minute to pick up your phone and send a text. It may mean that you have to get your comfort zone just to, you know, you ladies to come put your arms around Lindsay and say, Lindsay, as a mother, you're doing amazing. That makes all the difference. That makes the world a difference we speak into each other's lives to encourage one another if we can't do it as as the church as the children of God there's no hope for the world we need to be able to encourage one another Mm. more thank God for the the encouragement we have had I'm not trying to minimise any of that but we can do more we can socialising can be a mountain to climb for people who have been through traumatic events. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we just want to stay in bed and just lock the world out, you know. But we know, as we come here every Sunday, we're blessed. It's good to be around the people of God, to worship together, to hear the word together. It it does us good. Mm-hmm. From a pastoral point of view, and this is mainly for the elders, is I think it's it, it should be, in place that people who have suffered terribly or people who are struggling need to have a visit or a phone call once a week to check up how are you doing and it's no good assuming that that the others are doing it because when we assume others are doing it sometimes it just doesn't get done at all so it needs to be we need to be proactive um that 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 people who are suffering, people who aren't coping well, and I'm not talking about just Lindsay and I, there are several people in this church Mm -hmm. who struggle with things, I know that. I know many of you, and I know some of your struggles, that people need to be cared for. You know, we're not all pastors, but we are all responsible to care for one another. Amen. People, you know, families with children. You know, we're blessed that we have a a really good um, children's ministry here. We have many children. And again, I would say, families, talk to your children about Nathaniel. Talk to them. Because he's still a human being with feelings. Talk to your children. Encourage them to go up to Nathaniel and talk to him because he's still a person, you know, and he's still a great kid. He always has been, and he still is, and he wants to be included. You know, it really blessed my heart when Lindsay came, up. I wasn't here last Sunday, but when Lindsay came home and said, Nathaniel has a part in the nativity, that really blessed my heart, you know, it'll only be a small part, but it's a part, and we're grateful for that, we really are, so thank you, Joe, wherever you are, um, for including
0: him. So, yeah. Okay, thank you, Alan and Lindsay. Let's. Um, um, Lindsay's going to sit back down now, and Alan's, Alan's going to take the rest of the service. So let's give Lindsay a round of applause, please. So we're going to move into this third and final section now, which is we've labelled the truth, and. We've heard your story and we've heard um, how um, you've coped with that suffering and how it's changed over time. And we've heard how um, practically um, we can support you. But we also know, um, Alan, we know the person you are and, and uh, and you and Lindsay together and your deep faith in Jesus. And we know that you've had to wrestle with that. And you've had to learn about suffering and about God's character in a, in a whole new way. And, and, and as a church, we believe that we can turn to scripture to get the truth about how we cope with suffering and maybe even the purpose of suffering. And so we want to hear from you now about, about God with us in our suffering.
2: I think, first of all, um, scripture takes on a whole new meaning when you've suffered deeply. There are certain scriptures that, you know, I've read many, many, many times over the years. I've been a Christian only 32 years, and I've read scripture over and over, but it's only recently that those scriptures mean so much more to me. Um, So, for example... It's probably on the screen, but 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. We're just going to look at a few scriptures together. Some of the scriptures that were given to me in the early days, and this is one of them. A friend sent this to me. And the context is that Judah is being surrounded by the enemies, the Ammonites, etc., and wanting to destroy Judah. And Jehoshaphat lifts up a prayer to the Lord, and this is part of his prayer And he says, for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, and this is the key, but our eyes are on you. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're in the situation that we were in, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know where to turn. Just like Jehoshaphat and, and Judah. They didn't know what to turn, but their eyes were on the Lord. And that's all we had. Someone said recently, we never truly know that God's all we need until he's all we've got. And that's very true, isn't it? So our eyes were on the Lord to see what he was going to do. Um, Because, you know, Lindsay said in those early days, you know, some, some of the things were very negative that the consultants and the medics were saying. But Lindsay always said, you know, I have one ear on what they say. And I have one ear on what the Lord says. Thank God for the medics. But ultimately God has the last say. And so our eyes were on him. Secondly, Psalm 23 is a psalm we all know very well. And verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And again, I felt the Lord say to me in those early days that he was going to walk with us in this valley of the shadow of death. It was a walk. We weren't stationary, we were walking, even though it felt a very slow walk. God was going to walk through, us, through this situation with us. And it says there that we will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff comfort me. Now the rod is a club with which the shepherd defended his flock. And even in this valley, God was going to defend us and support us. And the staff, the staff was used to guide and to urge the sheep on. So even in this valley, God was still going to guide us and urge us on on this journey. And the next scripture is Hebrews 4. And before I read it, I want to say that God is a suffering God. We can talk so much about God's attributes, but sometimes we overlook the fact that God is a suffering God. He suffers with us. He suffers with his people. He's not some kind of lofty deity that's just up there watching us suffer. He comes down. He stoops down to be where we are in our suffering. Sometimes we think God is just with us in the good times when we're on the mountaintop. But no, God is also, if not more so, with us when we're deep down in the valley and things look very bleak. He's there with us. And so it says there, doesn't it? For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in in who every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, We can have that confidence that we can draw near to his throne because he's a God who suffers
0: with us. Alan, you've <clears throat> in your earlier list of, 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 of ways in which trauma can affect you, yeah. and you read that out and, and, and you said you've experienced all of them. And I'm sure you still are. And, and you say you can't look at pictures of Nathaniel before the accident because you find that so difficult and you struggle to think too far ahead. Yeah. So you... You, there must be times where you just go why why has this happened why the pain why the suffering and more, you know and to be even to be able to ask you that question and expect a response, it seems quite remarkable to me but i 'm going to ask you the question because I know you 've given it some thought based on what we read in scripture, so from your Personal journey. Can you share a little bit how you've reflected on the why to the suffering that you've been through, and Nathaniel's been through, and, and all your family?
2: Yeah, I think um, I think the why will probably be with us for the rest of our lives because you know there are no adequate answers. Um, but when you look at Scripture again, we always have to go back to the Word of God with whatever questions we have. Why did Job suffer? The way he suffered? Why did Joseph suffer the way he did when he was sold into slavery to Egypt? Why did Jesus suffer? So we have three J's: we have Job, we have Joseph, and we have Jesus, and all of them suffered. And um, things happen for a reason. We have to believe that. Things happen for a reason and when we look at job James 5 we get we actually find job in James did you realize that so if you look at James chapter 5 verse 11 it says behold we consider those blessed who remain steadfast you've heard of the steadfastness of job and you have seen the purpose of the lord how the lord is compassionate and merciful so, Job stu- suffered, but he remained steadfast in his suffering. And the reason that James gives here, um, why Job suffered, was to show that the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Sometimes we forget that. Um, you know, the, the, the Lord restored to Job over and beyond what he had before. Um, is God going to do that with us? I don't know. I believe it's a picture of eternity. certainly it's certainly that that God is going to give us over and beyond what we've had here on this planet, on this earth, in this life. Um, but so individually, you know God um, God worked good. Into Job's life. When we think about Joseph, if we look at Genesis fifty twelve, it says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So we see corporately it was for the benefit, it was for the good of many, many, many people. Um It wasn't just for Joseph's good, because even though he went down to slavery, God raised him up to be second to Pharaoh, which again is a picture of Christ, who was, who came down to this planet, to this earth, to this darkness, and God has raised him up to sit at the right hand of the Father. Um, again, so we have to ask ourselves, what is God going to do with you guys? And. Uh, and the wider church through our suffering. We believe that God is doing something and will continue to do something in your hearts through our story Um, because this isn't just about us, this is about the body. We're part of the body. And when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. When one part rejoices, we all rejoice. And then Jesus... Acts two twenty three twenty four. 24, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up. And we know what that has accomplished, what that has achieved. That has achieved the salvation of billions of people throughout the centuries. Satan thought he'd won until the third day. When God gloriously raised him from the dead and defeated Satan, defeated death, defeated sin. God worked it for good. And then Romans 8:28, one that we all know well. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. How many things? All things work together for good. Who are called according to His purpose? Now, again, we can look at that. Um, it's just an individual. You know, this is about me. You know, all things work together for me. But this is about working together for the body, for the good of the body. Um, so, who loves God here? Yeah? Who are the called? Are you called? Yeah, so that's all of us, isn't it? All of us together. Um, so I'm, uh, let me encourage you today. If, if you feel that God is doing something in your heart, you know, it's, it's very easy for us to sit there and, and feel very sorry for Alan and Lindsay and Nathaniel and the girls. But I want, I want to hear what God is doing in your heart through our story. Otherwise, this is just a waste of time. God is doing a work in your heart. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear the testimony of what God is doing in your lives because of our story. And then the next scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, it says, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. This is an opportunity for the body of Christ to care. You know, if, if everything is rosy in the garden all of the time, we won't need to care. God brings struggles and trials and tribulations into the church so that we can care and love for one another. That's what Jesus says, this is how they will know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. This is where, the, where it gets serious, isn't it, brothers and sisters? It's, it's one thing it's meeting for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning, but when we're in trials and tribulations, we need to love and care for one another all through the week as well. Because that's what church is. It's 24-7. It's not two hours on a Sunday morning. It's the responsibility of all of us, like I said earlier, to
0: care for one another. So God is, he's maturing your faith through this, but he's also maturing our faith through your testimony, especially if we step up and reach out to reach in, if you like, and care for you and get to know you and how you're doing, and learning your story and and journeying with you through this we have the opportunity to learn more about God's character and that's incredible isn't it and the way you've used scripture to articulate that is is wonderful and we're very thankful and if we can take one lesson away from today it's that suffering does not have the last word and the purpose that this suffering is is maybe taking us to, it's driving us towards? What is that sort of, the, the destination, if you like, of this suffering?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, when John and I were preparing for this, because it should have been John sitting here, so he's not very well today, so we've got Thomas, bless him. <laughs> we love him dearly. Um, John, when we were talking about the scripture in Revelation, he was almost welling up, you know what John's like. He was welling up, you know, that that the day is coming when we will see Nathaniel not just walking, but he will be dancing before the Lord. He will be shouting his praise. Amen. And we have the lovely, wonderful promise in Revelation 21. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain any more for the former things have passed away thank god and we look forward to that day when there will be a new heavens and a new earth where god will dwell with us here and psalm 46 god is our refuge and our strength a very present help in trouble Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. And one day, the earth will give way. It will. It will be burned up, it tells us in Peter, for new heavens and a new earth. And finally, um, in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him... We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now we could ask, well, what does that have to do with the future? Well, the Holy Spirit has been poured into our hearts is a guarantee of the inheritance to come that we do not yet receive or or know fully yet because we live in the now and the not yet, but the, the, the not yet is coming and it's coming soon. And the Holy Spirit is that guarantee. When we become believers, God gives us that Holy Spirit. A bit like when you put a wedding ring on your wife's hand. It's a guarantee that you belong together. And the Holy Spirit is that. That we belong together and the the best is yet to come. And I think there's this one last quote that John put on there. The bitterness of life makes the goodness of God. Even sweeter.
0: Isn't it good to see Alan with his preach back on? Yeah? Can we have a round of applause, please?